Behold the 
you, Susanna and Phyllis, for blessing us. If you take your copy of God's Word, please, and turn to Luke chapter 2. And those boys and girls going down to Children's Church, I think it's time for that. So you can slip out Luke chapter 2. Today, we come to the last of our series in a study that we've called The Women of Christmas. And uh, it's interesting that we looked at the first woman, Eve, and saw her connection to Christmas. Then we moved from the first woman to a married woman named Elizabeth. And then we studied an engaged woman named Mary. And today we find ourselves with a widowed woman. So we had the first woman, a married woman, engaged woman, and a widowed woman. It reminds me that Christmas is for everyone regardless of age or stage of life. Uh, the, women we're looking at, the woman we're looking at today is found only once in the Bible. In fact, there's just three verses in the Gospel of Luke, uh, the second chapter. If you would find your spot there, I want you to be able to read along and follow along as we study today. Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. And I'm speaking, of course, of an elderly woman by the name of Anna. Anna. Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. Here's what the Scripture says about this lady named Anna. Luke chapter 2 beginning at verse 36, reading through verse 38. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him, talking about the infant at that time, Jesus, spoke of Him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Three verses, but they're packed. You know, dynamite comes in small packages. And uh, were it not for these three verses recorded in the Gospel of Luke, we would know really nothing about this lady, this wonderful woman, Named Anna. It's interesting. Higgs noted that many illustrious women appeared on the world stage during Anna's long lifetime, including Cleopatra. She would have lived at some point the same time as Anna. But uh, the interesting thing is when the Holy Spirit decided who to place within the canon of Scripture and the inspired Word of God, he did not pick Cleopatra. He selected an unknown, relatively unknown woman by the name of Anna, whom we study all these years later. How many choice saints down through the ages and even today are laboring away in obscurity? Nobody knows their name. Nobody knows what they're doing as they labor for the Lord and serve Him and serve others. But they're seen and they're known by God. And God takes note and God takes record. And, and for His own divine reasons, He included this wonderful woman named Anna. Now, I want to look at Anna today, and I want to notice with you three important realities we do well to remember as we study Anna's life and as we live out our life, because we're taking these stories of these ladies and not just studying them as a piece of history, we're also making application to our lives today. So three important realities we find at looking at Anna's life that we should apply to our life, and the first one is simply this, life is filled with joy and sorrow. Life is filled with joy and sorrow. If you've lived for any amount of time, I'm sure you found that to be the case. Now, if you're really young, 
You may only know the joy part, but if you live long enough, you're going to find that life is filled with joy and sorrow. In the beginning, God created the world and it was all joy. But we mess things up because we sinned and we disobeyed God. And now life is a mixture of joy and sorrow. Why? Because we live in a sin-cursed, fallen world. Uh, that is true now and it was true in Anna's day so many years ago. She knew joy. The Bible tells us she was married for seven years. Now, I know I'm making an assumption here, but there's nothing in the text that would allude to the fact that she had a horrible marriage or a horrible husband. Um, no doubt she not only knew joy in marriage, but in family life and, and life in general growing up. She had known happiness and joy, and these are good gifts from our loving Heavenly Father. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus came to give us right abundant joy. We're to rejoice to the Lord, and again I say rejoice. God wants us to have joy in our lives, abundant joy, but along with joy comes something we don't really care for, something called sorrow. We don't know the details, but after seven years of marriage, Anna's husband dies. She would have probably been in her early 20s if she had followed the norm of the culture of that day and the time of that day of getting married at a relatively young age and then living with that husband for seven years to the point where he dies. So she would have been probably in her early 20s at that time. And Anna had to say goodbye to her husband. Now, when we find her here in Luke chapter 2, she is an old woman. We're not sure the way the Scripture reads if it means that she was 84 years old or she'd been a widow for 84 years. We're not sure exactly. Uh, some say, well, it means she was 84 years. Some say, no, it means that she had been a widow for 84 years. And if you take the latter, if she had been a widow for 84 years, then she would have been over 100 years old. And the fact the Scripture says she was of great age, uh, I kind of lean that way that she was probably that old. She was over 100 years old. If that's the case, we can safely assume not only had she lost her husband in death, she would have lost her family in death. And as is the case with many that live to be a hundred and beyond, she probably would have lost many family members. Sorrow upon sorrow upon sorrow upon sorrow. I remember Erwin Lutzer, who, by the way, Pastor Larry is going to do a study from him uh, in the new year, I was telling a story. His, his parents were real up in age and, and most of their other uh, friends had died. I remember Dr. Lutzer saying that he wonders if his parents' friends were up in heaven saying, I wonder what happened to the Lutzers because they just never showed up. They just kept living and they lived to a great age. Most of us, we understand the truth that life is a mixture of joy and sorrow. I was thinking of that as I was studying this, as just how true a statement that's been in the last almost couple of years here as we've been dealing with this pandemic and we've seen all that's gone on in our culture and our society. We've seen many people be affected by this and it reminded us that life is fragile. Uh, things are so uncertain. Our life is filled with laughter and tears. And that brings us to the second reality from Anna's life, and it's simply this, we choose how we're going to respond to those joys and sorrows that come in our lives. We choose how we're going to respond. We don't always have a choice as to what happens to us, but we do have a choice in how we're going to respond to it. 
And I find it interesting, and I want you to hear me well as I say this. When you look at Anna's life, you consider what she went through, married for a relatively short amount of time for seven years, being a widow possibly for 84 years, or, or the majority of her life, you can safely say, I want you to hear me and hear me well. It is right and it is good to mourn our losses in life. Some people believe that if you're a Christian, you should not mourn or you should not grieve. At least I guess they believe that because they try to live that way. But the Scripture does not teach that. It is right to mourn our losses. In fact, the Lord Jesus Himself taught us an example as He's there at the graveside of Lazarus, at the shortest verse in the Bible, a great verse, John eleven thirty five. 35. Remember what it says? Jesus wept. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And it's right to grieve our losses, to mourn our losses. And some listening to me, you need to allow yourself, allow yourself to mourn and to grieve your losses. You don't have to soldier on, pretending. You don't have to try to go that route. You need to take the time to weep and to mourn. Jesus wept. You know, the Bible says we're to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. I've said before and I firmly believe that's a good definition of ministry. If you're going to minister to people, that's pretty much what it is. What do you do? Well, if you were to ask me, well, I weep with those who weep and I rejoice with those who rejoice. Sometimes almost on the same day and the same week. I can go rejoice with a family at the birth of a new baby and I can go later and weep with a family who is bearing a loved one. Life is like that. There's weeping and there's rejoicing. And the losses that you've experienced, you need to grieve those. You need to mourn those. And it may be the loss of a loved one, but it might be another loss. It might be the loss of a job or a dream or something else that you were holding on to. And it's gone. And it's right to grieve and to mourn and to take those needs to the Lord. Because He calls Himself in Scripture the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. And whatever loss it is that you've experienced, He will comfort you. And I encourage you to go to Him. Now, Anna had a choice to make. We don't know if she was in her early 20s. We assume that she's in her early 20s. That's the assumption we're making because of the culture and time. But she's there maybe in her early 20s. Her husband dies. She has a choice to make. And for whatever reason, she decides not to marry again. Instead, she dedicated herself to serving the Lord. She was a prophetess, the Bible says here. Now, when it says prophetess, beloved, that doesn't mean she was a fortune teller. That's not what it means at all. It means she is one who spoke the Word of God. She told others about the Lord. She shared the Scripture that she knew herself. She shared with others, probably especially concerning the coming Messiah. She's looking for the Messiah. She's looking for the Savior. She resided at the temple, we assume. It seems she was there day and night. We're assuming she resided there. If she did not reside there, she was there the majority of her day and her week and her time. And she served the Lord, it says, she served God day and night with fastings and prayers. In other words, we're going without food and praying and praying and prophesying, telling out the Word of God. In my mind's eye, when I picture 
Anna. I see her as a very small woman, perhaps a frail woman. She's over 100 years old, serving God often with fastings and prayers. And yet there's a radiance and a joy about her because she knows Jehovah. But yet there's that longing within her because I believe she's waiting for the coming Messiah. She'd known sorrow. She'd known joy. And she'd faithfully served the Lord. She didn't let bitterness destroy her faith. You know, you have a choice to make when loss comes, when sorrow comes. It seems that Anna allowed this loss to build and bolster her faith. You see, in times of sorrow, in times of loss, we can either turn away from the Lord or we can turn toward the Lord. Sadly, some people turn away from the Lord. Their, their thinking goes along this route. If God is good, how could He allow this to happen? Why didn't He answer my prayers? Why did He take this away? Why did He let that person die? Or whatever the case may be. They go down that route of self-pity and self-despair and they grow angry and bitter against God and they turn away from the Lord. If they're a true believer, it's going to be a season the Lord does not give up on them. But they turn away from the Lord. And yet others, they turn toward the Lord. And they go down a line of thinking like this, that God is good and God is always good. And, and I don't understand this and, and I don't know why He allowed this to happen, but I'm going to trust Him in this matter. And it's obvious from Anna's life that she didn't turn away from God, she turned toward God. And, and some that are listening to me right now, you're turning away from the Lord. And bitterness will take root within your heart if you're not careful. I want to encourage you... To, we don't always understand why. We don't always understand the details. We can trust the heart of our loving Father. We, we know that He knows all the details, all the circumstances, all the particulars. You and I are so limited in our focus and our understanding. And we live here and, and I know it's difficult. But we can trust the heart of our Father. You know, Anna, when you think about her life, she could have made excuse upon excuse upon excuse as to why she couldn't trust God. But she didn't. She kept on serving. She kept on praying. She kept on fasting. She kept on looking for the promised One, the Messiah, the Savior. And it brings us to our third reality today. Yes, life is filled with joy and sorrow. And we choose how we're going to respond to those joys and those sorrows. But we notice thirdly from Anna's life that Jesus is our true hope. Jesus is our true hope. Weeping may endure for a night, but what does the Bible say? Joy comes in the morning. Now we live in a world where it seems that nothing is sure, nothing is stable, nothing is steady. Where it seems that everything is uncertain. But can I remind you that God is certain. God is sure. God is stable. God is steady. God is eternal. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now here in this passage, Simeon, he's speaking a blessing. He's blessing the Lord Jesus. He's blessing uh, Mary and Joseph. He, he's giving a blessing. And at that moment, Anna heard it. And she saw what was going on. And she came quickly. In fact, you're still there in Luke 2. Look at verse 38. And coming in that instant... She gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. 
Now, this older saint continues to teach us here. She shows us how we should respond to Jesus. Now, I get it. Life is hard. Life is hard. I don't get a pass because I'm a pastor. If you wonder about that, I can assure you, I don't. Life is hard. Days are dark. It seems at times we're in a pit and there's no light and no rope. But that's not true. That's not true. Jesus is our light. Jesus is our true hope. And the Bible says He will never leave us nor forsake us. Now, I'll be honest, sometimes it seems like He has. And sometimes you'll find in your life as you're laboring along that you pray and you pray and it seems that the heavens are silent and God is silent and God doesn't care, but that's not true. It seems that way. But He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And He's doing a work in your life. I think it was Piper who says something on the lines that God is doing about 10,000 things in our life and in any given time we only know about three of them. In other words, He's constantly working in us and around us, arranging circumstances and people and situations and things that you and I have no idea about. And sometimes it seems that He's silent. Sometimes it seems that He doesn't care, but He does. He holds us in His loving arms. He sustains us. He's present. He's there. It may not seem like it to us, but He is. He is our light. He is our true hope. For decades, probably. I think it's safe to say for decades, probably. Anna had been praying and hoping and looking and waiting. And now, finally, she hears Simeon pronouncing this blessing. And in front of her, she sees the promised one the Messiah, Jesus. And she shows us what we ought to do when we encounter the Lord Jesus. It's interesting. Here she is. I want you to notice what she did there. The Scripture says that she gave thanks. She gave thanks. She gave thanks to the Lord. I see something like this often on social media. It kind of goes along these lines. The wording might be slightly different, but it's this idea. Don't forget to thank God when you get what you're praying for. Sometimes we do that. We pray and we pray and we pray and the Lord answers that prayer and we kind of forget to stop and say, thank you, Lord, for answering this prayer. But not Anna. Remember, Israel had been waiting for a very long time. You know, in your Bible, you have the Old Testament, then you have the New Testament. And sometimes there might be a, a blank page between those two testaments, but you have to understand there's 400 silent years represented by that blank page. 400 silent years between the Old and New Testaments. And it seems like that God had forsaken them. That God was no longer working and God was not going to do anything. No word. But then, according to Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. At just the right point, at the right time in human history. And of course, you and I look at it and say, well, why did He wait so long? Well, He waited to the exact right time because God's timing is always perfect. And at the right time, the appointed time, He sent His Son, robed in flesh, that He might live and die for us. 
Anna, when she saw the promised Messiah, she thanked the Lord. Let me ask you, have you stopped to thank the Lord this Christmas season? I hope that you have. I know it's hard because we live in a very consumeristic society. And Christmas is fun and who doesn't like, I don't care who you are, it's fine. I don't want a gift. They want a gift. Sure they do. You want a gift. You want those things. It's fun. And I think it's okay and, it's, and we celebrate that. And, but it's hard, isn't it, at times? Between Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph and all the other things that go on, it's hard at times to keep our, our focus and really remember, you know, who we're celebrating and what we're celebrating. I mean, here you have the first Christmas in Scripture, and we find that Anna teaches us, and she's a wise older woman, she teaches us the proper response, and it's to give thanks. Give thanks to God. I hope you thanked everyone for the gifts that you were given, but even more so, I hope you thank the Lord Himself for the greatest gift given. Anna teaches us something else here as we continue studying, and that is she not only gives thanks, but she tells others about this gift. Look back at verse 38 again. The Bible says in verse 38 that she spoke of him, that is, baby Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. She spoke of him, watch this, to all those who looked for the redemption of Jerusalem. Like the shepherds who came and saw and went and told, she becomes a missionary in a sense, sharing the good news. You've heard the old saying, I guess. Um, preach the gospel to everyone, if necessary, use words. You ever heard that? It's, a, it's an old saying. And listen, I, I get what they're trying to say. I understand what they're trying to say. They're, they're trying to say, live out the gospel. In other words, let your walk match your talk. And you live the gospel and you live like the Lord to have you to live and then others will see your life and, and want to come to Christ. But the reality is, if you're truly going to share the gospel, you've got to use words. Now, yes, you ought to live it out and your walk should match your talk and you ought to live the gospel. But at some point, if you're going to share the gospel, you're going to have to use words. It might be words that are written down that you hand somebody or it may be words that you speak to yourself. But at some point, you've got to use words. You say, well, what words do I use? You've got to tell people the bad news. And we're living in a church culture where people don't want to talk about the bad news. And I'm not talking about CNN or Fox. I'm not talking about that kind of news at all. I'm talking about the bad news. The Bible says that we've sinned. We've fallen short of the glory. We didn't just make a mistake. We didn't just mess up. We sinned. We rebelled. We're rebels in the face of God. All of us have sinned. We're sinners by nature and sinners by choice. And we have to share that with other people. We've all messed up. We've all sinned. This is part of the gospel. We've sinned. That's why we have Christmas. Because we sinned. And we needed a Savior. And the bad news is we've sinned. And because we've sinned, we're separated from the Holy God. God cannot tolerate sin. And sin must be dealt with. So the bad news, we've sinned. But here's the good news. God loves us so much that He sent Jesus to die for our sin, to take our sin upon Himself. And that's why we have Christmas. He was born to die. And He lived a life without sin. He never knew sin. He never yielded to temptation. never did anything wrong. He lived a sinless, perfect life. 
And then he voluntarily, by the way, don't get in your mind that they took his life. I mean, in a sense, we say it that way, but he voluntarily laid down his life. He could have spoke the world out of existence if he wanted to. But he voluntarily gave his life. He voluntarily went to the cross. He voluntarily shed his precious blood and was buried and rose again victorious. Because he did, we can have eternal life. The bad news and the good news. And you say, well, what do I have to do? Listen, he's already done everything that had to be done. You just have to trust and believe. Receive him as your Savior and Lord. Put your trust completely in him. And He will save you. The Bible is very clear. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I encourage you at this Christmas season, we're on the cusp of a new year between Christmas and New Year's, to settle that forever, to give your life to Christ if you never have. Tell others. That's what Anna did. It's interesting. She went and told others. I don't know what others might have thought, but she spoke, by the way. And by the way, we're not responsible for the way people respond. Let me remind you of that, too. The Bible says we're supposed to share the gospel. And it's up to the Lord and His Holy Spirit working in that person's life. We're just messengers. And sometimes you get a positive response. Sometimes you get a negative response. Sometimes you get no response at all, it seems. But we're just supposed to tell out the good news. That's our responsibility. Tell others. Well, maybe you're wondering today, what happened to Anna? We have this brief vignette of her life, just three verses. She's an older woman. She's either 84 or over 100 years old. She just saw the Messiah, the promised one. What happened next? I don't know. We're not told. But I do know this part. I can assure you of this part. She died eventually and went to be with the Lord and she's in heaven now. She's been in glory all this time. You see, life may be filled with joy and sorrow as Anna's was, but sometimes it may be encouraging to remember that this life is so brief. And even if during a great amount of this life is filled with sorrow, while it seems very long, when you put it up against eternity, it is but a brief snapshot. Because you see, where Anna is today is the place of all joy and all glory. Because she is with the Lord. And she'll ever be with the Lord. But the interesting thing is, though she is with the Lord, her story remains. Recorded in Scripture for us, she being dead yet speaketh. Reminds me that although our story probably will not remain as long as Anna's because we didn't make it in one verse of Scripture. She had three. Our story matters too. And your life, beloved, in my life is touching other people. I wonder how many people Anna ministered to over the years in the temple area. 
I wonder how many people Anna stopped and prayed with. I wonder how many people Anna stopped and ministered to. How many ladies she prayed with or wept with whose husbands maybe died. Because she understood that. See, Anna had been through some things in her life and, and God comforts us so that we might comfort other people. And I don't know what you've gone through. And maybe you've gone through some very horrible times and some very tough times, but you're still here. God has sustained you and God wants to use your life to touch other people. And whatever the case may be, will you allow Him to use you to minister to others? Because one of the best ways, listen, one of the best ways to deal with being down in the dump and the doldrums and discouragement and depressed is to go and minister and serve somebody else. And I believe, and if I'm wrong, then we'll get this corrected in heaven and we'll meet with Anna and she can say, now you, you were wrong about me. But I don't think I'm wrong. I think God used Anna to touch many people over those many years serving there in fastings and in prayers. And I wonder who God wants to use you to touch. I wonder who God wants to use you to minister to. Somebody may have already popped in your mind. Maybe God gave you that cancer and you were victorious or because He wanted you to serve other cancer victims. Maybe God took that loved one from you because... Part of the reason why is because He wants you to use the comfort that you've received from Him to comfort other people. I think of those who contacted us over the years who maybe are going through some of the same things that we've gone through. And they knew that we went through them. And they reached out to us in, in various ways because they needed a word from someone who had been there and done that and came out the other side. And maybe that's part of your story. Anna's a wonderful woman. I look forward to seeing her in glory one day. I look forward to hearing about her life and talking with her more. But today, she reminds us of three important realities. Life, yes, is filled with joy and sorrow. And by the way, if we're given 2022, I can't even, I can't even really say that. Am I, am I saying that right? 2022? If God gives us 2022, I can pretty much assure you it's going to be filled with joy and sorrow. Because <laughs> that's life. But we get the choice as to how we're going to respond with God helping us. This is not done in our own strength. But as God helps us, we get the choice of how we're going to respond. We should mourn our losses and grief and so forth. And then we should respond in faith, trust in God. And then we remember that Jesus is our true hope. So let's thank Him and tell others about Him. Would you bow with me? Father, thank You for this precious woman, Anna. Thank You for her testimony. She being dead yet speaketh to us today. Lord, we know that the true difference in Anna's life is not something that she did, something you did in her life as you saved her and as you sustained her. Father, I pray in these closing moments if there are those here today that have experienced loss, that you would help them, Lord, to grieve and mourn and lean and rest in you and work through that process in their life. Help them to choose to turn to You and not away from You. Father, I know it's easier to say these things at times than it is to live them.
But I want to praise you for the way you've sustained so many of us through some very difficult days. Some just in recent days and some over past years. And Lord, I pray that in the midst of this group of precious saints, as you've walked through some real low times in their life and brought them out victorious on the other side, I pray that you would use this group of saints to minister to other people who are experiencing similar situations in their lives. And Lord, help us to point them to Christ. Thank you, Lord, that on our darkest days there shines a bright light, our true hope, our source of joy, the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for us and taking it up again. And Lord, help us to not only live our lives for Christ, but to speak to others about Christ. And I pray even this morning, if anyone here is not sure of their own destiny, their own eternity, that your Holy Spirit would bring them to Christ even now. So Lord, thank you for this blessed time of the year. We rejoice in you. We love you. We adore you. We praise and worship you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open this morning. If you do need prayer, if you'd like to come on your own in prayer, or if I can assist you in some way, I'd be happy to do that. But our closing hymn this morning is number 217. Kind of walks us through thinking about what the Lord did, singing to Him, Thou dost leave Thy throne and Thy kingly crown when Thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home was there found a room for thy holy nativity. O come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There's room in my heart for thee. Again, the altar is open. You come today, 217. Let's stand and sing. Mm-hmm.